Good morning, everybody. How y'all doing? Bear with me just a moment. My stuff ain't working. This Do y'all use uh, technology when you have like all the apps that you own open at once? Anybody else have that problem? Yes? Okay. Not just me, Phil. All right. We're going to try this again. Here we go. So I'm excited about today. I I'm really um, am encouraged already, Leah, with the message that the Lord's given you this morning and then also from uh, the, the message for the kids. Um, I, wanna, I wanted to start today um, by kind of reminding us, talking about Glenn's challenge that he gave to us last week. I don't know about you guys, um, if, you, if you were not able to, to join us last week, all the TGP churches uh, from central Louisiana gathered together. Um, Glenn announced we've got two churches that have begun just outside of Atlanta. Um, and so if you missed that, um, Bethany did a, their Facebook Live wasn't working at, the, at uh, TGP Wardville last week, so Bethany like literally propped her phone up in a window. And so you can hear the message, and, and so I encourage you, if you missed it, to go do that. But I, I wanted to, to kind of recap some of the things that Glenn said. He reminded, or he told the, the rest of the church, something that we experienced a, uh, almost a year ago is when we launched TGP Colleen. And so in his last message to the church, Glenn issued a challenge uh, to us to love people enough to give them what God has given us, which in my opinion is not too big a ask, right? To share with people the goodness that we've, we talked about today, all the things that we know about the Lord, the testimony that we hear week after week about God's personal activity in our life. I loved your testimony this morning, Leah, that, that God loves us enough that we can say, hey God, I, I think this is what you're saying. Would you just confirm this for me? And then having the confidence as the Lord does that to know that, yeah, this is him. This is what he wants me to do. And that, if you've not experienced that before, I just want to just put this out there that that changes everything about life. When you have the confidence that God is behind what your activity is, it changes how you approach it. It changes how you feel about it. And there is a peace there that can't come from anywhere else. So for us, what does it mean for us to share that with people? To, it means for us to live in community, to love people the way that God loves them. And, and God gave Glenn a verse from 1 Peter to challenge us to remember who we are and what we're called to do. So this was 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you look at that verse in the CSB, it says to proclaim the praises. I love that last song that David wrote that we shared, that we sang this morning. It's all about proclaiming the goodness of what we experience of God, of the grace that he's given, us, given to us. And then we are, are asked to respond to that grace. And now, as believers, we are representing Christ. When we interact with the world and we proclaim that name and we're walking with him, we are his representation. He told us last week, if you're a child of God, if you have, have come to a, a trusting faith in him, a life of obedience is what's waiting for you. And obedience is exactly what Leah shared this morning. It's simply saying, God, this is what I think that you are telling me to do. Would you confirm that? And then do it. And, and I love that Leah put all the trust in him this week and said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'm all in. If it's not, let me know I'm all out, right? That's what a life of obedience is talking about. We are a, a chosen people, and the only difference 
that the scripture points out and what Glenn pointed out to us between us and those that are unbelievers is simply that we are called to obey. We have an experience with Jesus that other people don't have because we choose to live in obedience. The charge that Glenn gave us is that, that we know him, yet we are often huddling together and hiding who he is from the people around us. And it's not intentional. It's not because we don't want to share. It's that we feel so comfortable in this circle that that's what becomes the priority. Is us just hiding together rather than sharing those excellencies with the people around us who don't know how excellent the Lord is. God's revealed to us through His Word what a relationship looks like. We talk about that every week, both here and in our life groups. We talk about what God is doing in our lives and how that feels and how we're responding and where that's difficult and where it's easy and how we manage all the expectations that come with those things. What a timely word for us. I was so encouraged last week, one, just getting to be together with all our people and hearing those voices. I was telling somebody, I was sitting all the way in the very back because we got there a little bit late. But from there, I could hear the volume from the congregation. I can't imagine what it was like for, for those sitting up front. But it was just so encouraging to be around those people that I love, people who I know have shared experiences, who know the Lord, they know how to hear His voice, and are walking in obedience to Him. And I was personally challenged to move forward in some things that the Lord is calling me to do, to walk in obedience to what He's speaking. And I know I'm not the only person that felt that. I've had some conversations with several people over the course of this week who echoed that same thing. But this morning, I want to pause for just a moment in the, in the message. I want to invite Jacob Crump to come up and share with us what that's going to look like for him and his family as they walk in obedience to what God's calling them to do. So, Jake, if you would come up, I'm going to sit down for just a minute, let you have the platform, and then uh, we'll go on from there. This seems totally fine. Yeah. I'll just hold it. That'll be easier. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> this is very timely uh, <laughs> with uh, everything that's been going on for us. Um, and this isn't something that just came up, you know, this week. This is stuff that God's been working, uh, you know, with us on for months now. Uh, so basically, the short version is that God is, has called Maddie and I to be sent out from TGP West. So what that looks like is for several months now, God's been uh, giving me stuff in my quiet time about Christian workers parting ways, um, that uh, you know, things not looking the way that they always have. Um, you know, basically every time I got in the Word, it was basically like something's changing uh, and be ready for it. And so for a long time, I was kind of like, okay, what, what, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, you know, I wasn't really exactly sure what, where we were heading with that, but, uh, you know, a lot of it was pointing towards us, you know, not being at TGP West anymore in some capacity. And I, you know, it was definitely one of those things where I was like, okay, God, you're going to have to tell me, like, for sure. And he was like, he was like, okay, here, here's the thing. And I'm like, no, 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 like, for sure. And he's like, yes this. And I was like, oh, okay, but, you know, it was, it was a very long process. Um, and so for us, we have some people who, I'm not going to go into detail because it's on a podcast and privacy, blah, blah, blah. Um, but we have some people that we're very close to in Shreveport. Um, and 
in the last couple of months, those people have been opening up conversations and asking questions about God in a way that we've never talked about God before. Um, and they've been asking questions about, you know, God's grace and the Holy Spirit. And, you know, they have experiences with church, but more like legalistic church. And so for them to kind of be asking these questions is kind of just like out of the blue uh, and has been really cool and something I've wanted to talk with them about for a long time, but just, you know, had never really happened. And so um, this started happening at the same time that God was kind of giving me this, these messages in my quiet time. And so I was like, okay, is this maybe where we're supposed to be spending our time? Um, and then I thought, and I told Will about this, it was kind of like, okay, but you know, I'm gonna have to cross the bridge of having that conversation with them, you know, where it's like, okay, you're interested and I feel like this is what we're supposed to be doing, but how do we make that like, quote unquote, official? Like start actually having these conversations and start, you know, meeting and, and talking about this stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, it might be a while and it might, you know, be a little bit difficult to broach that and whatever. And then I was talking to one of them and they were just like, uh, said at one point, yeah, if you guys are up here during the weekend, maybe we could like watch a sermon together or like do a devotional and just like talk about it. Uh, just like totally unprompted. And I was like, yeah, we definitely can do that. Uh, <laughs> that's exactly what we wanted to do. Um, pretty much. And so it was kind of one of those things where, you know, when God is moving and he's setting stuff up, you don't really have to worry about the small details. Like he's going to take care of that stuff. Like he wanted us to start something with them. They prompted it. <laughs> we didn't even have to worry about how to kind of have that conversation. Um, so they're extremely excited about it. Like very pumped, very ready asking a lot of questions, a lot of great conversations. Um, you know, they had early on kind of described their frustrations with some of the churches they had tried up there, and they kind of described what they wanted it to look like. And afterwards, I was like, that's exactly what our life groups look like. <laughs> I was like, the, everything you're describing is like what we do. Um, and so that's what they want kind of thing. Um, and you know, kind of what Will is talking about. And, you know, I remember when Glenn got back from Iceland, one of the things he, he was talking about was this idea of not taking for granted what we have uh, and realizing that other people don't have this. And, you know, for me, I've been in a TGP church for 10 years now. Um, and after you've been going to really good church for a decade, you can forget what it's like to not have a really good church. Um, and hearing their frustrations and what they were looking for and the type of community they wanted and the stuff that they were starting to kind of figure out about God, it was this prompting of like, oh, right, not everybody has this. Um, and we've been going through a book in our life group called Gentle and Lowly, which if you haven't read it, definitely read it. It's phenomenal. Um, but there's a chapter that talks about, um, it goes into like part of why Christ pursues us so relentlessly, and it's because his overwhelming love for us. Uh, and even though he knows how broken we are and how messed up we are, it's the love that drives him forward. And so it's this idea of if we have people in our lives who don't have this type of community, who don't have the type of understanding of God that we have, if we love those people, that should break our hearts. And that should move us to want to go share that with them. And so 
that's basically w kind of where we are is we feel like that's where God's calling us to, to go. And, um, you know, because of the way it works out with them being in Shreveport and stuff, that's our, that's our weekends <laughs> is to go up there. And so, um, that's, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, so, you know, this isn't, we're not like going up there to necessarily start a church plant. This is like a couple of people we're going to go meet with. Um, it's going to be closer to kind of like a life group kind of thing. Um, and you know, this is new for us. We, we've not really done something like this before. Um, but you know, Will, when you talked about a second ago, kind of getting out of our circle, um, you know, that was just like right on with stuff God has kind of been telling me lately is it's, you know, for me, this year has been crazy. Um, I had a kid, first kid, if you didn't know, he's over there squirming a lot. Um, but within the, within a two to three week period, I became an elder at this church, became a manager at my job and became a dad. It was quite a month. Um, so, and if you guys know me, I'm very introverted and laid back and those are not very introverted, laid back things necessarily. They're all kind of like leadership roles to kind of step up into. Um, and, and thinking, you know, kind of reflecting back on all those things, it was kind of initially I saw it as, okay, I'm stepping outside of my comfort zone, you know, and with this going to Shreveport, it's like, okay, we're stepping outside of my comfort zone. But then one of the things God kind of reminded me was, it's not stepping outside of my comfort zone, it's him expanding my comfort zone. Because I think when we talk about stepping outside of our comfort zone, it makes it seem like we're doing something. Like God gives us a charge and then we go do it. In reality, God gives us the charge and then he is the one that fulfills it through us. And so, you know, for me looking back on this year, it's, you know, I, I expected I was gonna be an elder here for a lot longer. <laughs> You know, uh, I had certain expectations, but, um, you know, God's timing is perfect. And I think for me, I grew a lot through the, the experiences of being an elder here and, you know, everything else that's been going on. And I don't think I would have been ready to take this kind of a step out uh, without him kind of growing me in those ways. Um, and so, you know, thinking about this and, you know, part of one of the reasons I wanted to share was obviously to let everyone know, <laughs> but also to let you know, like, this is what it looks like. Like, we're not doing something magical. We didn't do anything special. God knows it's not based on any ability I have. Um, but if God's calling you to something, he will change you to fit the calling. Because when I first came to TGP, you know, I had been an atheist up until I was about 20. Um, and could not talk in front of people to save my life. And when I started leading a life group about five years ago, um, thought I was gonna throw up like every night. <laughs> uh, Michelle was in that first life group and probably remembers how nervous I was. Um, and now I'm in front of a lot of people and talking and it's fine. Uh, and I've preached here and you know, it's, and that's not me saying like, oh, look at me. I'm saying if God can take someone like that and make them comfortable up here talking in front of people, like any worry you have about anything that God's calling you to, don't worry about that. <laughs> it's more so important to figure out what God's calling you to, not how he's going to get you there, because he'll get you there. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, bittersweet, 
because, you know, we have really enjoyed our time uh, here immensely. Um, but also, like I told Will, I told our life group, we're not moving. We're still here. We still want to see everybody. So <laughs> we're just not going to be here on the weekends. Um, but during the week, we definitely, you know, still want to see everybody. So, yeah. Thank you, Jacob. A uh, couple of things. Uh, one, I should have just let you preach today, bro. Like you, like y'all going to hear the same sermon twice today. Sorry, not sorry. Um, while I'm thinking about it, if you've not gotten one of these, um, come get one. Like right now, come get it. If you do have a copy and you want another one to give to somebody, come get it. We're going to be in chapter eight of this book today, kind of unintentionally. But uh, and if you're in Jake's life group, that was what we were going to discuss this week. But we're going to this tomorrow, isn't it? Yeah. So if you want to copy this and, and read some of the quotes we're going to look at today, chapter 8 is where we're going to be at. I don't have page numbers because I read it on a Kindle and they don't transpose. But if you want one, come get it. Um, Jacob, thank you so much for sharing this morning. Um, I, I, you know, when you get calls like that, like Jacob sent me an email initially and said, hey, look, this is something I typically would like to talk about in person, but I was gone on a trip. Work was busy for him. And he said, but I need to let you know what the Lord's doing. And initially, it feels like a gut punch. Like, I heard a quote the other night that says, everybody has a plan to get punched in the face. Um, and that's kind of how I felt. But not because Jacob did anything wrong, but just because um, I'll, I'll remind you that Glenn told us years ago, he went to a, a leadership conference about church planning, and it said that you're always going to send out your best um, when you plant a church. And we, I'm like, God, we just did that. <laughs> but I love what Jacob said a while ago, and I hope you guys were listening, that this is what it looks like. As we walk in obedience, God is going to, I love, loved, that's a message in itself, that God's going to expand who you are. Not take you out of your comfort zone, but expand what it is. Um, yeah, so it's difficult, but I want to express for all of us how incredible it is that Jake and Maddie are doing exactly what we've been talking about for so long. That they're walking in obedience um, to doing what God has called them to do. Um, I also want to just share with you guys briefly, last week in our life group on the heels of Glenn's challenge to the churches, um, one of the things that was brought up, we were talking about how do you begin these conversations, and Anna McKay said, you know that the Lord's doing it when the person come in to ask you the question. And I shared that with Jacob whenever we talked on the phone this week. I said, here's what the Lord was speaking during our life group. And we've heard that before. That's not new information for us, but it's so good to be reminded. And, and I wanted him to just have that final you know, this is what it's going to be. So at the end of the, the service today, we're going to have Maddie and Jake come forward and, and uh, pray over them and send them out like we always do. This, he didn't say this, but this will be their last Sunday with us, but they're not moving. So if you got questions that you'd like to ask Maddie and Jake, I know they're certainly open to having some personal conversations, or if you want to take them to a, and have a meal or take them for a cup of coffee, they certainly would probably say yes to that as well. Um, I, I want to remind us as we, as we move forward this morning, if you think back through what God's been speaking to our church just in the last couple of years, it's really easy to see that he's had the same message for our body, the same thing he's asking us to do. When I first started pastoring here, we, we studied the book of Exodus, and the purpose of that was joining God to set people free. Then we went through Ecclesiastes, God's love in a broken world. And here we are in Hebrews talking about a story that's worth sharing. The call that God has for all of us is the same. It's to know him and to share him with other people. That's what Glenn's challenge was about last week. That's what our challenge for our whole life is. It doesn't matter if you're just part of TGP. If you're a believer, that's what God's asking you to do. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those are his commandments for us.
I just want to say I could not be more proud of Jake and Maddie and of what they are choosing to do. I would have chosen a longer time with them, but that's what God had planned. Before we move forward, I want to ask you guys to do something that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. I want you to just look around the room. Just look around, look at each other, and think about the stories that you have heard these people share. All of you know how to hear from the Lord. The next step we've got to take is all of us got to get to a place where we're willing to trust God to share those stories with the people that need to hear them most. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So now we're going to get in the message. Y'all ready? All right. Anybody need a stretch? All right. So here's where we're going to start today. Hebrews chapter 7. Okay. Um, we're going to read verses 15 through 25. I know we already covered 15 and 16, but we're going to kind of back up just a little bit to get some context because 17, if we jump right in there, having been a week removed from this message, it's not, going to, it's not all going to tie together. So read with me verses 15 through 25, and then we're going to dive in and see what the Lord has for us today. And this becomes clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, who did not become a priest based on a legal regulation about physical descent. Remember we talked about that last week. But based on the power of an indestructible life. That's what we're going to talk about this week. For it has been testified, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So the previous command is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable. For the law perfected nothing. But a better hope is introduced. Through which we draw near to God. None of this happened without an oath. For others became priests without an oath. But he became a priest with an oath made by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now, many have become Levitical priests since they were prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. So, the main thing I want to focus in on today, if I were to put a, a title on this whole thing, is that God wants us to understand that Jesus is eternally making intercession for all his children. That's the theme for today. That Jesus, from from the time he rose from the dead until his kingdom comes back on earth, his heart is to intercede for you and I and for the people that he loves that are around us, which is all people, okay? We're going to break that down this morning with two supporting ideas. The first one is that Jesus is a priest forever. And don't just gloss over that and think of that as non-insignificant because we know that God is eternal. Remember that just a few weeks ago, we talked about paradigm shifts, how you can live in a certain way of thinking for so long, and then something can happen in your life that will completely change the way you view everything else. And that's what's happening with the people that this letter is being written to. They grew up, all of the stories they ever heard about who God was, was God and the order, uh, the priest and the order of, of Levites. Right? These priests who were born, who died, and another one was born, and they just went one after the other. And so priesthoods were only a lifetime long, and they had to go to school before that, and then they would become a priest, and then they would, you know, get older and older and older until they died, and then a new one would take over. That's kind of how that process worked. And it's something that we're similar, similarly familiar with. But prior to Jesus, a person's priesthood was ended upon their death. 
So this meant that there was forever a turnover in leadership in the church, right? In the Hebrew church, in the synagogue. And, and we're familiar with that. Like, like, raise your hand if you've ever moved to another church or had a pastor that moved to another church. Everyone can raise their hand probably, okay? We all know what that's like. You know, like you, you get a pastor and you start building a relationship with them and you know them and you can trust them and then either they move or you move and then you have to start all over again, right? Building that trust and building that, that foundation of, of understanding, well, the beauty of Jesus and the fact that he's eternally a priest is you don't have to start that process over again, ever. He's always the same. And that relationship, instead of being ended at some point, is continue to grow and get deeper, and you're going to understand him in a better way. The same is, is true for all those that came before Jesus. The same that was true for us is that that leadership was changing constantly. But that's part of the reason that Jesus is a better high priest because his priesthood is forever. It has no end. And that's just one of the many ways that, that this section of Scripture, one of the things that it's revealing. This is what it means in verse 16 when it says that Jesus has a life that's indestructible. It's literally saying that his life will not end, which means his priesthood will not end. God places Jesus in the place of priest. And Jesus, even though he died, raises himself from the dead. And now Jesus lives forever sitting at the right hand of God. And that is significant. Look, we read this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So not only is, God, is, is Jesus sitting at God's right hand, but he is there permanently and for a very specific reason. He's speaking on our behalf. And what he is saying is so vital, yet most people who call themselves believers don't understand it. Or they don't know it. The second point I want to make today is that Jesus intercedes for us. That's what we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about today. And that's what chapter 8 and uh, the book that, that uh, we have just forgotten the name of it, Gentle and Lowly. That's what chapter 8 is about. So the life group that's going to talk about that tomorrow, here we go, all right? In studying for this message, I remember that I read chapter 8 recently, okay? And I want to share some quotes that, that Dane Ortland says out of here today because this idea of interceding, I was reading another uh, commentary this week, and it talks about how that, that verse about Jesus interceding for us is one of the, they felt, one of the most important pieces of scripture because it tells us something about who Jesus is. Dane Orland says one of the more neglected doctrines in the church today is the heavenly intercession of Christ. When we talk about Christ's intercession we are talking about what Jesus is doing now. That's significant. God is such a or Jesus is such a superior priest because he's perfect eternal and is currently at God's right hand interceding for you and for I at this very moment. That's what he's doing right now. He goes on to say, it's the most counterintuitive aspect of Christianity that we are declared right with God, not once we get our act together, but once we collapse into honest acknowledgement that we never will. You see, this is what so many who call themselves believers get wrong. We say that we believe in Jesus, and we say that we, that we know that he forgives us of our sins just as we are, yet... We also believe that we have to do something to make ourselves right before God. I was, this morning when I was preparing to, going through all this again, just 
you know, making sure I was understanding what the Lord was wanting to say. I thought about the, the, the old hymn, Just As I Am. Everybody remembers that song. And if you go back and you read the lyrics of that song, which I sang a lot as a kid, you know, that's a popular one that they would sing at altar calls, you know, Just As I Am Without One Plea. We, we sing that song, and the lyrics of that song, the theology of that song, is what we read in Scripture. But then we would add to that, just as I am, after I get myself right. Right? And that doesn't really work with the melody, but that's what we're actually saying often. Just as I am, after I get this stuff figured out. After I do this. There's this idea that's been planted in most believers today that we must work to earn our salvation. As if our sins is somehow preventing Jesus from doing the very thing that Scripture testifies that He can and will do. Dane goes on to say, His heart is drawn to His people now as it ever was in His incarnate state. And at the present manifestation of His heart, and, and the present manifestation of His heart for His people is His constant interceding on their behalf. That's His heart. That's what He wants to do. It's to intercede for you and I that in our best moments and in our darkest moments, Jesus is standing there before God interceding on our behalf. Church, that's good news. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. And this is something that we're familiar with, but I felt like the Lord wanted to draw our attention to it this morning. It says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He will, how will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. He is the, who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all the day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So why can nothing separate us from God? Because Jesus is at his right hand interceding for us moment by moment, day by day. Do you see how profound this is? Do you see how big a deal this is? That Jesus didn't just die and that happened back then and he is done. He did that and it was significant, it was necessary but he's not done. He is still working on our behalf today. Why is it then that you and I default to thinking that we need to perform to a certain standard in order to gain God's approval? And furthermore, if we as a church who understands God's grace, if we struggle with this, how much more do the neighbors around us who don't understand his grace, how much do they struggle Right? Because we've talked about that. We've talked about how we default back to thinking that we have to do things in order to make God happy. But we know better than that. And we remind ourselves that. We preach this message of grace to ourselves regularly. But think about the people around you who don't understand His grace. Who've not had the experiences that you have. 
Dane goes on to say, he said, if we knew about Christ's death and resurrection, but not his intercession, we would be tempted to view our salvation in an overly formulaic, form, formulaic terms. It would feel more mechanical than is true to who Christ actually is. And how true does that ring in our ears? That for so long the church developed a very um, particular method a nuanced way of us going through the process of, of being saved and then growing in our relationship with the Lord. And not that any of those things are bad. It's good to, to give your life to the Lord, obviously. It's good to study Scripture, obviously. It's good to be discipled, obviously. But we put all the focus on the process and we took the heart of Jesus out of it. And our intention is good. We want people to know the Lord, but instead of putting the focus on the Lord, we put the focus on the process. And it's become mechanical. It's become dry. It's why people like the people that God's called the crumps to are saying we're not satisfied with what we're finding. And many of us have felt that same satisfaction in other places in our lives. It's because we put our focus on the process and not on the person. We formulated the church and the Christian experience so that it looked a certain way so that we could all be comfortable knowing that we followed the process. Well, do we know that this person's saved? Yeah, well, they walked down the aisle and they got baptized on the third day. And then, you know, we got this process and we can be comfortable with that process if we check all the boxes. And the boxes is what became important. But for many of us, we finally got fed up with being satisfied with the status quo and we demanded more. You see, we've tasted, we've seen the goodness of the Lord. We can declare his excellencies because we've experienced those things. We've come to know his heart and that is the only, only possible because of what he's already done and what he is currently doing. The last quote I want to share with you out of that book, it said, His posture right now as he is in heaven, his disposition, his deepest desire is to pour out his heart on our behalf before the Father. The intercession of Christ is his heart concerning our heart to the Father's heart. You see that? His deepest desire is to connect our heart with the Father's heart. We talked about this when we started in Exodus. When we went back to, to, the, to the very beginning in the garden. When Adam and Eve chose to walk in disobedience and the relationship was severed. The whole of God's work has been to do one thing. And that's to restore that relationship. To get our heart back connected with His heart. And that's what Jesus' intercession is all about. It's about moment by moment when we mess up. When we sin, even if we didn't mean to, or even if we did, He stands on our behalf and He intercedes before the Father for us. The challenge that we were given last week is the same one that we've been given time and time again. We are being asked to share with those around us the incredible love that Jesus has for them. There's somebody in your life right now who needs to understand just how deeply Jesus loves them. They need to know that Jesus would love nothing more than to intercede on their behalf, to connect their heart to the Father's heart, to know Him. And there's a real good chance that person's name is on your mind right now. And what the Lord is asking us to do is to step outside of ourselves, to let Him expand our comfort zone, to declare His excellencies to them. God is asking you to share with them what you know by experience. And that's why I asked you to look around this room. 
It's for us to all understand that we have known, we understand what it means to hear from the Lord and to share what He is doing with other people. Jesus loved you enough to make atonement and to die, and He loves you enough now to also intercede. At this very moment, and in your very worst, Jesus' posture is the same. He's pouring out His heart for you before the Father. Nothing you can do will ever change that. No matter how good you are or how bad you are, Jesus loves you. And that is a message that needs to be declared. This is a story we must share. It's a story that we can't help but share. It's a story that's worth sharing. In my daily reading this morning, I, I, I did the same thing as Leah. I do this every morning. I get up and I say, okay, God, this is, this is the day I got out in front of me. What do you want me to do? And this morning, this message is on my heart. But before I even touched it, I got my Bible out. And I said, all right, Lord, what do you have to say today? And I want to share with you something. This, and this is what popped up in my reading, okay? Two passages that affirm the challenge that God's given through Glenn last week and that he continues to give us today. We're called to share in the paradigm-shifting news that Jesus loves us and desires to intercede on behalf of all people. That's the story that we need to share. So this morning, I, I started the book of Exodus. That's where I was in my daily reading. And I read the call of Moses to, li- to deliver God's people. And this is a story that familiar, we're familiar with. Two and a half years ago, we went through the book of Exodus. But I want to kind of walk through that for a moment. We're not going to read the scripture. You know the story. Moses kills a guy, you know, Moses in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter rescues him. He gets raised as an Egyptian. He kills an Egyptian. He flees for his life. He becomes a shepherd. He's walking along and he sees a burning bush. And that's what we're going to pick up today. God tells Moses that he sees the suffering of his people. And he speaks to him and told him to go and deliver the people from Pharaoh. Okay, so here's what I want us to connect the dots with today. God saw the suffering of his people and he was sending somebody to help them. Now put, your place, put yourself in the place of Moses. God sees the people in your life that need to understand that Jesus loves them and he intercedes for them. And he's calling you to go. And there's three observations that I want to share with you out of Exodus chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4. I put the references on the slides if you want to go back and look at this for yourself later. Number one, because of the past sins of his life, Moses did not feel qualified for the task that was put before him. God's forgiven us for our past sins and promises to forgive us for all our future sins as well. We cannot fall into the lie that the the enemy tells us over and over and over again that we're not good enough and that we're not qualified. Moses felt the same thing. God said, don't you worry about that. I'm qualifying you right now. Number two, Moses did not know the Lord well when he called him. And we know that because he says, who do I tell them that you are? So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I hear what you're saying, I hear what the Lord's saying, but I don't know enough. Moses didn't even know God's name. You at least know that. Number three, Moses was afraid that no one would listen to him. But God guaranteed him that he would handle that part. Moses was called to proclaim God's message. And the results were in God's hands and the same is true in your life. God is challenging you. He's asking you. He is begging of you to share his excellencies with the people in your life. And all he's asking you to do is to be obedient. He will handle the results. God would give Moses all that was necessary to accomplish the task that he was given. 
Church, our, our stories, our experiences have already proven in our own lives God's ability to do something bigger than we are. It's time to stop living in fear of our own failure and trust God to handle our past. If you're looking at your past and saying, will people know me and they know that I'm not that kind of guy? God will handle that. Say, so, well, I'm in the middle of some stuff right now that's, that's just not good. God will handle that. Or, well, I'm worried about what the future holds. God will handle that. The last passage I read this morning, I want to, I want to end on this, is Galatians 5, 13 through 14. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We are called to freedom and we're called to share that freedom with one another, with our people. We can no longer hide together and keep these truths from them. God is asking each one of us, not some of us, each one of us to declare his excellencies to the people in our life. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful for the challenge that you've put on my life this week, in my heart. Father, I pray that as, as each person in this room thinks about and shares with you and with one another what you're saying to them today. Father, I ask that our, our thoughts would not be on our abilities or our unabilities. Father, that we would be moving forward trusting you. Father, that we would just simply say yes to whatever that looks like for our life, for our families. That we would move forward trusting that you are going to handle everything for us. Jesus, we are so thankful for your intercession. That when we miss opportunities or when we choose to sin or when we accidentally sin, you are there before the Father connecting our hearts back again. Father, as we close out in worship today, God, I ask that you would draw our hearts to you. That you would help us to understand how incredible this message is. Father, that you would drive us, that you would motivate us to share what we have experienced with the people that desperately want to hear it. Jesus, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand?